Ladies and gentlemen, we thought we were going to be talking to you on Monday saying that we had seen a little bit of football over the weekend and that we were getting back in the swing of things. Unfortunately, uh, as Mark Schofield so eloquently put during our pre-show chat, uh, NFL football has now officially uh, surpassed watching paint dry as the most boring thing that you can do in the summer. Mark, we're here on a Monday. There's no football yet. No football yet. Um, everybody was fired up today. I mean, honestly, we're recording this on Sunday night. There were people livid, like out of their minds, angry that this game got canceled. And I understand the urge to like watch some actual football again, but it's it it's still coming, guys. We can tamp it down a notch. I mean, it's it's only August seventh here when we're recording this, so it's okay. You can get through the next eight hours or so. I will say, I think the the people that actually have a right to be upset here are those guys that may be on the bubble for a roster spot. Yeah. And this is actually taking away right. chances. It's taking away reps for them to uh, to be able to get uh, you know out there and actually show what they can do. No, so, I mean, that's true. But if you're just like Joe Schmo, like me, on your couch drinking fruit punch and hoping to watch some football, like, <laughs> you can take it down a notch. It's okay. Mark, no, Sco- yeah, Mark-, no, for sure. <laughs> Mark Schofield is a master of uh, either carbonated or non-carbonated uh, beverages. He typically goes through. I think you said you were through fifteen today already. Is that right? Fifteen of these Lacroix waters, man. They need to sponsor me, dude. You are either going to be the most well-preserved human being in the world, or you are just going to die an early death. Due it's to preserved all because that. of all the salted and cured meats I eat, man. You know that. Okay, well the combination. Oh, is that how that works? All right. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes that sounds science. Yeah. The combination probably does something special for you. The third voice you are hearing is Arif Hassan from Cold Omaha. He is our go-to guest for Vikings info, but also uh, pretty much master of just about anything uh, comedy related. One of the funniest people I know in football, one of the smartest people I know in football. And Arif, I really appreciate you joining us here. Every single time I come on here, you like you overhype me. I don't really know how to respond to it. Well, we just want you to overhype us back. I mean, that's it's kind of you know give and take, and you know we we know that you talk bad about us to your friends. We're just kind of hoping that you would stop. <laughs> That's fair. I decided to, uh, obviously, uh, no one can see it, so you'll just have to trust me, but decided to wear uh, the Inside the Pylon shirt today. As a, oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. And I won in it. What was it? Uh, oh, yeah, a way, to dis- uh, a way to describe the website. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, once again, Arif Hassan, master of comedy, master of football. Today's show is brought to you by Crossover Football, giving coaches the ability to break down game film to pull stats, searchable clips, tendency reports, and much more from both desktop and mobile solutions. To try one game for free, sign up for a demo at crossover.com slash pylon. That's crossover with a K dot com slash pylon for one free breakdown today. Uh, let's let's dig into this Vikings camp here. Where where do you want to start, Arif? What if, what stood out to you? I guess your number, you know, your top couple of storylines that you've uh, been following so far this season. Sure. Well, there's a, a couple of storylines, obviously, for every team in terms of like position battles, and I think that's sort of the easiest thing to tee off on. The Vikings are trying to figure out if their offensive line is going to be, you know, cohesive, coherent. It doesn't even need to be average. It just needs to be like a professional grade offensive line because I think yeah I mean and and I don't know if people have been you know have been aware of this but the offensive line was so bad that you could take a look at stats inks numbers you could take a look at pro football focuses numbers you could take a look at uh, numbers from any number of charting organizations in terms of the number of dropbacks that Teddy Bridgewater had to take under pressure and it's the most 
uh, it's the highest percentage of dropbacks under pressure of any quarterback over the past 10 years, according to any one of these websites. Uh, and so, uh, you know, being bad is way better than being one of the worst of all time. And I think that's kind of the expectation that's being set for the offensive line. And so far, I think that they're meeting it. So that's nice. I'll talk about more about that in a second. But another storyline, of course, is the, is the safety spot next to Harrison Smith, who, uh, depending on how you define Teron Matthew, is now no longer the highest paid safety in football. Uh, and then also uh, just a couple of other things like just improvement in general. I think one of the big storylines throughout the season and throughout the offseason was whether or not Teddy Bridgewater uh, could be an explosive quarterback instead of you know simply an efficient one, whether or not he could you know be more aggressive, be accurate on deep balls and stuff like that. So those are the three things that I've been watching out for the most. Well, let's let's dig into that offensive line. And specifically, is this a talent issue, a scheme issue, or a combination of both? I think it's both. Uh, and I, I think that you can't get to the point that I was describing of being one of the worst of, uh, of the past decade without it being both. Uh, I, I think that first, you know, last year the offensive line had uh, some pretty big injuries. Phil Lodeholt, who uh, was one of the better right tackles in the NFL a couple of years ago, uh, missed uh, a full season because of a, an injury in the preseason. Um, so, you know, maybe maybe canceling that game was pretty important. Uh, and uh, and they had to put in T.J. Clemmings, who everyone recognized was raw, but also turned out to be, you know, uh, one of the worst uh, right tackles in the NFL. Uh, Brandon Fusco, uh, either uh, the switch to, to the left side uh, hurt him, or, you know, he hadn't fully recovered from the pectoral tear he had from the previous season. Uh, whatever that was, he was a pretty poor guard. Uh, and then Matt Khalil, you know, whatever it is that afflicted him in 2013 and 2014, hurt him in 2015. So, uh, you know, there were there were some pretty severe talent problems, but, you know, there were also scheme problems. The Vikings had the most seven-step drops in the NFL, which is pretty astounding if you consider the fact that they also had the fewest pass attempts in the NFL. Uh, so, you know, that puts the most pressure you can imagine on offensive line. They didn't have... Uh, anything to really remedy that in a lot of ways. They didn't do, you know, uh, as many sprint or boot options, despite, you know, how good we know that Teddy Bridgewater is throwing on the run or even scrambling. Uh, and so there were schematic pressures on the offensive line. They decided to get rid of the offensive line coach, which, you know, might address the talent and development issue, but uh, I'm not so sure that they're doing a lot to address the schematic issues. Uh, there's just a lot of seven-step drops in camp. I do think that this offensive line is more talented. You know, they brought in Andre Smith, who's going to be more talented than T.J. Clemmings after Phil Lodeholt's retirement. They brought in Alex Boone, who is one of the best left guards uh, in the NFL, uh, is playing like that in camp, it seems like. Uh, you know, they, they brought in uh, a specialist to work with Matt Khalil again, uh, and he looks at least marginally better. Uh, and Brandon Fusco is back on the right side. He's another year fully healed. Uh, and Sullivan... Uh, who did all the line calls in 2014, 2013, 2012, uh, is now healthy again, too. That's an injury I didn't mention. Uh, and so, you know, having schematic coherence from a center uh, might also, you know, help things out you know, from, a, from both a talent and a scheme uh, perspective. All right, if you mentioned Teddy Bridgewater, and I actually saw a mock draft today which blew my mind that had the Minnesota Vikings going quarterback in the first round potentially next year. Putting wow. that aside for a moment, that's do you hot. think that this? Yeah. Do you think that this is a make or break year for Teddy Bridgewater? I think it is in the eyes of 
of a lot of fans, especially fans of just the NFL in general, not so much the Vikings. I think for a lot of Minnesota Vikings fans, and I think especially for the coaching staff, it really isn't. Obviously, if he performs poorly, that's a, that's a really big problem. Um, but I don't think it means that the Vikings take a quarterback. And I, I think it would take a lot, um, an incre- like an unlikely incredible amount of either subpar play or a devastating injury for the Vikings to consider taking a quarterback in you know the first couple of rounds. So from that perspective, I don't think it's a make-or-break year. But in terms of the way that people set their expectations for them, uh, not just from a fantasy perspective, but just from you know, hey, you know, is this the kind of quarterback that will win a Super Bowl? You know, it, it is and. That would be a less meaningful reason for it to be a make-or-break year, but I think there's a really big divide between uh, the perception that coaches and, and sometimes even some Vikings fans have, and the perception that uh, you know fans uh, nationally and even a lot of members of the national media have. Arif, let's uh, let's continue to look at the offensive side of the ball here. Obviously, Adrian Peterson, one of the best pure runners uh, that we have seen in the NFL pretty much ever at this point uh, obviously coming back last year after missing nearly all of the 2014 season due to suspension now we see uh, today that the or a couple days ago that the appeals court ruled in favor of the NFL in the Adrian Peterson case what what are we what what's going on here at this point where do you see this going over the course of this season uh, well that that's not going to be a big deal just because Adrian the only remedy is you know whether or not the the issue at hand was whether or not Adrian was suspended or on the reserve not suspended or reserve exempt list. That's it. Uh, and if he's on the reserve exempt list, he gets money. He gets paid his game checks. If he's suspended, he's not. So he just has to return game checks to the Vikings. That's all. That's the only impact that that court case will have from the perspective of Adrian Peterson. But you know, there's there is you know the there is an Adrian Peterson storyline from like the long term perspective maybe not a camp storyline but like you know how many carries is Adrian Peterson going to get you know what are they going to split the carries with Jarek McKinnon who you know looks really promising they've talked him up a lot in the off season he's really shown in the last two seasons to be an explosive player uh, and he, he's not only just getting up there in age he's getting up there in in cap hit he's going to have an 18 million dollar cap hit in the 2017 season that's more than twice as much as the next running back uh, which is, uh, interestingly enough, LaShawn McCoy. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, that, that, that seems untenable, not just for uh, a 32-year-old running back, but for any running back, even, like you said, one of the best pure runners that we've ever seen. Uh, so th- that's a situation that they're going to try to probably resolve next offseason. But from every, every indication that we're getting in camp so far, both from, like, officially straight from the horse's mouth like like uh, North Turner and sort of unofficially kind of feeling people out around around camp and stuff like that uh, they're going to give Adrian his touches they may give him slightly fewer touches this year to accommodate Jarek McKinnon but it's going to be a run first offense uh, they're going to try and integrate Adrian Peterson once again into the shotgun game uh, so that the the offense is a little less predictable and that uh, Bridgewater has the ability to operate from a slightly more protected pocket and you know has more solutions at hand uh, when he's at the line of scrimmage. Uh, but you know all of that aside, it's 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 really it's Adrian's offense. I know that Mike Zimmer said in the offseason that they want this to become Teddy Bridgewater's offense, but the way they're designing it, the way that they're approaching it, uh, they're maybe giving him more tools and more latitude and more leeway. Uh, they're maybe asking him to do more, but it's still going to be Adrian's offense. Maybe not you know, 25 carries a game like we're used to seeing from from uh, older backs or even Adrian Peterson from the past. Maybe 18, maybe 17, maybe 16, maybe only 15 carries a game. Who knows? Uh, but Adrian is going to take the bulk of the carries in the offense. They're going to get him involved in the passing game again. I don't know if that's meaningful. But 
Jarek McKinnon will get more touches, uh, and he'll get opportunities to prove that he should be a bell cow back next year, or you know they're going to find somebody uh, in the draft next year. Folks, I want to talk to you briefly about crossover football here. Crossover football can help coaches win more games and make smarter use of the film room with your team. Crossover helps you break down and stat out your game film, and it gives you searchable clips, advanced ODK, tendency reports, and a wealth of other great information that you can access from any PC or mobile device. Your formations and personnel, they all get labeled with your own terminology, so you're not just using stock terms here. And you can exchange video with anyone on any platform, including all of your players and all of your coaches. To try one game for free, where they'll do the breakdown for you, sign up for a demo at crossover.com slash pylon. That's crossover with a K dot com slash pylon, and you get one free breakdown today mark i know you had a couple other questions for arif here yeah arif i've got a question about the wide receivers and i'll kind of frame it this way from what i've been reading is laquan treadwell as bad as he's been looking so far and is stefan Diggs as good as he's looked so far in camp uh that that's uh that's really interesting especially because uh i, I mean stefan Diggs looks amazing in camp like I don't yeah know i mean i saw one it. video of a catch in the corner in the end zone and just one handed catch and just amazing work from him yeah, and he and he's getting open uh, against everybody. Um, I don't know. He, he he looks incredible, and it's really difficult for me to overstate. So even I mean, he looked good last year. He, there was like a lot of hints that you know he may, he may be more than just a fifth round pick. Um, but I mean, this year it's kind of on another level. Is he that good? You know, uh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I think that uh, he's he's got a very limited style in terms of the things that he can do. I'm a little bit suspicious of his ability to get uh, contested catchers just based off of what we saw last year. In training camp, he's been maybe a little bit better at that sort of thing. Um, but he's doing an extremely good job, you know, catching outside of his frame. Uh, we know that there are receivers in his profile uh, that are elite. Antonio Brown is the, is the prototypical example. Uh, and so we know that, you know, in terms of defining a ceiling for him, uh, it's it's nearly unlimited, and, and he seems to be moving in that trajectory. But, you know, he's still sort of, uh, you know, better than Michael Crabtree, who I think is, you know, extremely underrated, uh, but maybe not as good as an, an Antonio Brown. And I know that that's kind of a broad spectrum to put someone in, but he's a second-year player uh, who fell off at the end of last season, so it's very difficult for me to give you a good idea. But, I mean, he's looked phenomenal in camp so far, and I think that, He's probably, if you're a fantasy player, he's probably a decent target for whatever his ADP is, despite the fact that the Vikings don't throw the ball that much. As for Laquan Treadwell, um, you know, I think someone sent out a tweet earlier that you know they had heard that he looked disappointing in camp, and they'd heard it from somebody that they trust, and I think that that's a completely fair characterization because the word disappointing kind of implies a level of expectation, and I don't think that he's performed up to the level that you would expect a lot of first-round picks recently to have performed. Not just like Odell Beckham, but like Amari Cooper and Mike Evans. and uh, even, even Sammy Watkins flashed a lot in his first year that uh, you know, really gave you an indication that this is you know, a receiver kind of on the trajectory to eliteness. And he's, he didn't seem to be there yet at camp. I wouldn't be surprised that if by the end of the preseason he looked a lot better because he has all of the traits that the Vikings drafted him for. He's just not putting them together on the same play on every play. He does flash sometimes, he does show those traits sometimes, but it really seems like he's just a rookie who uh, is having trouble kind of getting everything together, and that's totally okay, and I think that that's not an indication, you know, that the pick is wasted or that, that he was overrated coming out, and we need to remember, you know, he's like 21, 
Uh, so uh, I, I don't think he's as bad as he's looked in camp, but I think it's a fair characterization to say that based off of how he's performed in camp, he has not yet earned uh, a starting spot, which to a lot of people, because he's our first-round pick, would be disappointing. I want to flip to the defensive side of the ball for a moment and ask you about Mackenzie Alexander. You cited him in a piece that you've got up on Cold Omaha about the night practice that took place the other night, saying that he looked good um, in team drills and also in some one-on-ones. Um, how has he looked so far during camp? Well, he's looked great. You know, I wouldn't say he's looked as good as Stefan Diggs or anything like that, but I think that there were a lot of areas of emphasis for Bridgewater uh, going into camp. You know, uh, a lot of people talk about the deep ball. That was obviously one of them. Uh, people were also worried about his throwing motion. That was an area of emphasis. Uh, related to the throwing motion, they wanted his release to stay consistent, tight, and quick. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, his ability to perform in the red zone. You know, those were all, uh, you know, big parts of it, as well as its ability to develop a lot of those subtle nuances, the ability to look off of safeties, manipulate them, and, uh, and, and make decisions quickly based off of that. And, and I think this is another area of emphasis that people aren't talking enough about, making sure that, you know, because his pre-snap diagnosis is already among the best in the NFL, but making sure that he adapts appropriately to what happens when his pre-snap diagnosis is incorrect, because every quarterback's pre-snap diagnosis is going to be wrong. And those, I think, are the areas of emphasis he was carrying with him into camp, and I think he hasn't hit them all out of the park or anything like that, but I think that he has checked off most of those boxes. I'm still worried about his red zone efficiency. Uh, you know, he's getting more touchdowns and interceptions, which is like fine, but I think that generally speaking, the way uh, that he's performing in those red zone drills is not really at an optimal level. Maybe it's better than last year. Uh, his ability to throw deep has been pretty great in camp. I think that, uh, and that's going to be the most obvious change people might, might watch. He's playing more aggressively, and I think that when he plays aggressively, he's being more effective at doing so so uh you know his deep accuracy in camp is is uh, is up there like I, I think that i wouldn't say you know he's a uh you know ben roethlisberger or carson palmer or russell wilson throwing deep but i would say that uh you know he's at, in camp you know and that obviously is subject to change he's in camp throwing average to maybe even an above average level on those deep passes sometimes they're a little underthrown and the receiver has to adjust but it's a it's a much bigger improvement uh, than what we saw in camp the other year. His release has been quick and efficient, so that area of emphasis I think is checked off. His motion is better, but it's not consistent enough, and I think that's where some of the problems from the deep ball come from. So those are the check boxes, and that's where he is. Arif, it would not be a podcast of ours if I did not ask a special teams-related question. Uh, talking about Blair Walsh here, obviously one of the most uh, heartbreaking misses I think anyone has seen in the playoffs last year. What have you seen early on from him this year in terms of uh, his ability to mentally bounce back? Does he appear to be on his game thus far? Yeah, I think he's moved past it, and I think that you know a lot of players will say that they've moved past it, or they'll say, whoa, I have amnesia, I, have, I don't remember that, or whatever. Uh, and, you know, it's, like, not true. Uh, and I think that, you know... He kind of just took it head on. He was just a guy screwed up, uh, and and that's just something that happened, and that's part of the that's part of the position. Uh, and uh, I know that you know people will forget this if I win a Super Bowl. So that's my goal. You know that sort of stuff, uh, which is like true. I think we'd remember Adam Vinatieri a lot differently uh, because uh, he did have a lot of screw ups. But people remember the clutch kicks when they remember the screw ups. So you know I think Blair Walsh kind of is in the same way. He's just like, look, I've got a ton of opportunities to reframe the narrative around me. Uh, I was clutch early in my career, which is true. He absolutely was. 
uh, and uh, and I just need to keep kicking like I kick. And and I think that you know he's yeah he's moved on. And I'm sure that you know the Vikings you know looked into to getting a sports psychologist to to look over this. I'm sure they even did get a sports psychologist. Uh, and you know that's a that's an enormous part of the kicking game, um, as as obviously you know. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's it's not that big a deal. Fans are actually kind of trolling a little bit more than the Vikings seem to be all that concerned about it. Uh, I don't think that he's taken any kicks in camp from 27 yards uh, because every time uh, he takes a kick in camp, you know, writers are tweeting out what the distance is, and uh, and every every single time, fans ask if he's taken a kick from 27 yards yet. So. Uh, the Vikings don't seem concerned about it. He seems to have bounced back. Always good to see kickers bouncing back. Arif, are you going to be uh, heading to camp this week as well? Uh, yeah, the Vikings have a shortened camp. They'll be going to uh, Cincinnati, uh, I think, on the 8th and the 9th or the 9th and the 10th, the two days before the, the preseason game, which is maybe I should be a little bit more uh, aware of when that is. But <laughs> Well, who, who knows? It might not be happening. Yeah, maybe <laughs> they'll paint the field we, on again. We, we got to see if they get the field painted in time. It's you never know these days. It, it is the same state, you know. Who knows where they get their paint from? <laughs> <Yeah>, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> but yeah, they no, uh, I'll be, I'll be there the eighth and the ninth, and that'll be the last day they'll be in Minnesota. Then they're heading out to Cincinnati, in which case I'll just be like reading my Twitter feed, seeing what you know Cincinnati beat writers and bloggers have to say, uh, and then I'll watch the preseason game. Sounds good. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll, uh, we'll catch up with you uh, maybe in a few weeks once the regular season gets rolling, okay? Yeah, sounds great. Outstanding. That is Arif Hassan from Cold Omaha. Mark, we are wrapped up, but tomorrow uh, we're sticking in the NFC North. We're going to uh, Lions territory, I believe. Oh, boy, this should be fun. I'm going to get my little Jake Rudolph impressions from our boy. <laughs> <laughs> Everything a growing quarterback needs, isn't that right? Yep. We exactly. are we are done for the day. We're back tomorrow on the Inside the Pylon Quick Kicks podcast.